What's good, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the I'm Telling TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this final day of the month of August 2022, here on a Wednesday, as we got a lot going on here on this midweek program as we uh, flip the calendar from August to September. Lots to do as the sports calendar is about to heat up in just a matter of weeks. But lots to do, lots to talk about. I will give you my two cents just for the hell of it uh, with the NFL Top 100. Just want to get the, not the big stories in sports, but things that I have an opinion on because this is, after all, an opinion show in my show. My name is on it, and I've been the host of the show going on, uh, what, Four years, hard to believe, uh, and thank you for every single last one of you that have uh, been with us since day one, and thank you to the new listeners that have been brought to my attention over the last week or so that are new to the program, and nice to have you with us, and I appreciate you for taking the time out of your day and out of your schedule and, and taking a, a, a giving me a slice of your entertainment uh, pizza with all the different types of podcasts and avenues for you to get entertained and to get your sports uh coverage so to speak and you decide to stop by and listen to some uh loudmouth 20 year old from uh, baltimore uh who doesn't have a pot to piss in and decide to listen to me uh yelling screaming pontif- pontificate about things that are going on in sports but i will touch on the nfl top 100 list right quickly here at the top jimmy garoppolo still a san francisco 49 i'll get into that I got a couple things to say about Aaron Rodgers, uh, which I will get into. The um, As far as Major League Baseball is concerned, boy, is it popping at the seams. Major League Baseball with the wild card race in the American League. Dodgers versus Mets and Queens this week. And, of course, you got two home run races going on right now simultaneously. You got Aaron Judge's race to 61. Uh, which is uh, which I still believe is the New York Yankee franchise record for the most home runs in a single season with Roger Maris and quite a and also in quite a, a few other people's eyes the the still the true original uh, record holder of uh, of the most home runs in a single season. I certainly think that Roger Maris is the is the authentic one, not uh, not McGuire, not Sosa, not Bonds. It's still Roger Maris. We got that, and also Albert Pujols, uh, who is uh, who is in his final season with a month and a, with about a month and a week to go left in the regular season. Uh, 30, 30 plus games thereabouts left. In the regular season, he, of course, not the everyday starter that he used to be, but still less than 10 home runs away from reaching 700 for his career. One of the greatest right-handed hitters of not just of my generation, but of all time. We'll get into that. Uh, and also want you know have some fun. We can scream and yell about the fact that it is not uh, September yet, and we got kids that are already uh, wrapping up their first week, if not two weeks, if not even three weeks of uh, school, and I'm not talking about college, I'm talking about K-12, through I got plenty to say on that as the show progresses, but where we will begin is with the NFL Top 100 list, and let me tell you something right now, first off, I don't know anybody uh, who takes, I don't know anybody who takes any stock in the Top 100 list, I think the whole idea and the premise of the NFL top 100 list is stupid because because of the because on three because on a few different accounts okay first off 
the way the way that the sport of football is the way that the sport of football is where each pos- where each position is so unique and and their jobs are so specific to what they have to do on a football field or on a game and game that it this it's the ultimate team sport but every but all 11 positions are so uniquely different and their responsibilities are so uniquely uh significant that you can't like put them all into one big category you know with the NBA yes there's 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 different responsibilities between a point guard and a small forward but the bottom line is can you hit your jump shots if you know can you shoot if you shoot threes can you make them can you uh how you know are you how good how good are you at uh, executing inside the paint can you rebound can you spread the wealth you know, so the basketball, you know, you got different responsibilities with it, with different positions, but all in all, it's still the same game. You know, can you put the, whether you're a small forward, a shooting guard, or a point guard? It's how well you put the ball in the basket. Can you play defense? Can you rebound? Can you spread the wealth and get your and and and, and are you a good uh, facilitator of the, of the uh, of the of the basketball five on five in a game a game on basis? Baseball, little different. The only difference with baseball is that you rank position players with position players and you rank pitchers amongst pitchers but that's it you know amongst position players yes there's a different role and a different responsibility that a shortstop or a third baseman has compared to a right fielder and a first baseman but all in all the the duties and responsibilities is the same it's fielding it's feeling the ground ball when a ball is hit your way it's making the accurate throw to first base unless you're a first baseman when the ball is when the ball is in your direction is can you feel can you feel the pop-ups can you field ground balls can you throw the ball accurately to first base do you know how to uh do you know how to play your position uh, you know when, when you when you when you get when you have the extreme shift to the left or the right side of the infield how do you play how do you play a uh, you know a, a sacrifice or suicide squeeze how do you how do you play how do you play a bunt how do you play a bunt you know do you dive out do you dive out to make that uh, to make that catch with the ball scorched at you, a hundred and five miles an hour off the fly. You know, can you pick? Can you pick the short hop? Can you charge on a slowly hit ground ball to get the runner out first base? You know, uh, can you field up? Can you field a uh, a pop up that's hit over your shoulder? And you got to run to you know run to foul territory. You know, can you can you judge how far? Where you gotta be from the wall to make sure that you still make a play in order for you to catch it without you having to crash into it, and then when and then when you're all at the plate, you know it's 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 the same ball game. You know, can you get on base? Can you drive in runs? Can you get hits? Get the picture pitcher, excuse me, to work the pitch clock, et cetera, et cetera. Football, it's a little bit soccer. I have no soccer, no idea. You know, soccer, not a soccer guy, so I won't touch that. Hockey won't touch that. You know, I honestly got defensemen and forwards and goalies. There's so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch the sports that I'm not a fan of, that I don't watch, I don't follow that I don't follow. But I know basketball, uh, basketball, baseball is the same. You know, tennis, golf, they're individual, they're individual sports. It's one person, you got one assignment. Golf, hit the ball into the hole. Tennis, uh, tr- hit the ball, hit them where they ain't. Like baseball, you know, you hit them where you ain't. You got to make sure that you, that your serve is on point, your volley, your forehand, your backhand, this, that, and the other. Football, little different story. 
You know, the response of, I can't rank the, I cannot rank head to head the responsibility. Me personally cannot rank, you know, what a wide receiver does. I, you know, for example, I cannot rank how good Jamar Chase is as a wide receiver and rank him comparatively to how good of a tackle Trent Williams is and compare them with two different responsibilities playing two different positions, I cannot rank them head-to-head and say who's the better football player. I can't do that. I can't do that. And as part of the reason why I don't think there's no... I don't think there's any such thing as the greatest football player of all time. There's the there's the goat in different positions. There's Tom. There's the goat greatest of all time. There's the greatest winner, you know. And of course, that would be Brady, greatest winner. Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. But with this, how I think, with the sport of football, there's different, you know, there's different goats because every position is different and it's unique. They have different responsibilities. Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time. Walter Payton, greatest running back. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback. Uh, you know, Adam Vinatieri slash Justin Tucker, greatest kicker of all time. Devin Hester, in many people's eyes, the greatest return specialist of all time. You know, you can go, you can go. Uh, Shannon Sharp, greatest tight end, greatest tight end of all time. But the positions are so different and the responsibilities are so different that it's hard for me to to, to essentially throw the different positions that they play out and say, here, 100, 100 through 1, rank the top 100 greatest player, top one, not greatest, but top 100 best players in the National Football League. I can't do that. I can rank quarterback to quarterbacks. I can rank running back to running back, tackle to tackle, guard to guard, kicker to kicker, punter to punter, uh, wide receiver to wide receiver, tight end to tight end. I cannot throw all of that and say, here, here's your sheet, 100, great, 100 best players in the National Football League, go. Now, you can, na- you can name them, you can list them, but as far as deciphering what makes what separates the 76th best player from the, in the NFL compared to the 57th, I don't. Mike, me personally, this is my prerogative. I do not think it is fair to do that. I just don't. You know, I you can you can sit back here and say, well, Aaron Donald's the greatest player in the National Football League. That's a fair point. You're not wrong in that statement, but Aaron Donald does his responsibilities as X, yet the quarterback is Y. You know, the two don't, you know, and the furthest you could stretch it is what I would say is that Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in football. That's the way I would differentiate the two. There's your greatest Offensive player in football, there's your greatest quarterback. And when I say offensive, I mean non-QB. I mean running I mean running back, I, the skill positions, running back, tight end, wide receiver. 
greatest offensive player in football, which is up for debate. There's the greatest, there or not the greatest, but there's the there's the best in that department. There's the best offensive lineman. There's the best quarterback, obviously, which we rank and we debate all the time. And then also there's there's the best defensive player in football. There's there's the you know if you could you could do best defensive tackle, best defensive end, best edge rusher, best linebacker, best safety, best corner. Well, you, you could do that. But me, best defensive player, you go and you go Aaron Donald's number one. Best quarterback in the National Football League. <sighs> You ask me, I would say it's Josh Allen. Josh Allen, number one. J- uh, Josh Allen, number one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, second. Rodgers, fourth. Brady, third. Burrow, fifth. Or... To make you happy, Stafford fifth, Burrow sixth, uh, Herbert seven. Or you could switch it and go Burrow five, Herbert six, Stafford seven. But I'm not here to rank the quarterbacks. That I'm just saying when you rank the players. You got to rank them within the certain criteria of the position that they play. You know, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, three without even thinking about it, three best tight ends in football. Kelsey won, Kittle, although I think Kittle's a much better all-around player than Travis Kelsey is. Because it's such a because we go by offense and we go by reception and we kind of grade tight ends like wide receivers, you would put Travis Kelsey one Kittle, although he's the best all around when it comes to putting up numbers and catching passes and receiving yards and touchdowns. You put Kelsey one, Kittle second, Mark Andrews arguably third. Andrews and, and Kittle, you could argue, you could argue, argue one and two. You know, with the corner saying, but the whole point is that I'm saying is that for everybody, it all worked up. All well, they ranked Patrick Mahomes eight. They ranked, uh, you know, they ranked. Uh, they Joe Burrow was ranked. Now I think now the idea of Joe Burrow being the twenty second ish for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow to be both ranked in the twenties, not top fifteen best players in the National Football League. I think it is a little rough. Because of the fact that the combination that those two and their first season together took the Bengals who hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years to the Super Bowl. And Jamar Chase broke all sorts of rookie NFL records. And the fact that the, and the fact that that both of them, if they, and I, I could settle for one. But the fact that both of them aren't ranked top 15 best in the sport. I, 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 not that it means anything, but I, I got an I, I Me personally. I'm not going to kick and scream, go on a rant, go on a tangent, but I have, but I have a serious issue with that. You know, the idea. I mean, you mean to tell me right now that uh, you mean to tell me right now that um, that uh, that um, I'll pick a player. You mean to tell me right now that, and I gotta go to the list. You mean to tell me that 
that uh, and Josh Allen. The idea also that Josh Allen is ranked the 13th best player in the National Football League is beyond. Through five touchdown passes in a playoff game against the Patriots and couldn't have played any better against the Chiefs and absolutely, based on his individual performance, deserved to win the game against Kansas City. I mean, he is the best quarterback in the AFC not named Patrick Mahomes. He numbers-wise and by the eye test, he's that damn good. So the fact that even now now I'm kind of in a way contradicting myself, but putting my personal feelings about this list aside, it's a joke that Patrick Mahomes was ranked the 13th best player in the National Football League. I mean, it's a it's it's, it's a joke. He's top 10 easily without even thinking about it. Josh Allen is in the stratosphere of Mahomes, of Mahomes, Donald, Devontae Adams as top 10, top 5, top 3 best players in the NFL right now. And the fact he was ranked 13th was a joke. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, per, I give an example. Is Jamar? You mean to tell me that Trayvon Diggs interceptions aside, you mean to tell me that Trayvon Diggs is a, is a now they'll face up against each other week two and hopefully this, you know week two that they, doesn't come back to bite me in the ass uh, the, in week two in about three in about three weeks or so. But you mean to tell me that 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 Trayvon Diggs is a better player than Jamar Chase? Not Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs. He's a be, he's a he's a better player than than, than Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow, who was ranked uh, 21st. You mean to tell me... Let me give you a player that was named... Uh, that was named better than Burrow. J.C. Jackson, better than Joe Burrow? Why? Because he led the league in, in 23 passes, defended for a fourth straight season? Really? And the fact that he has a completion percentage... Allowed under expectation of minus eight point nine because of some dopey next gen stat because of some dopey uh, 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 arbitrary next gen stat. Really, really. But in my estimation, that one hundred. I, well, I almost wish that the NFL would do away with it because it's a complete waste of time. They, you know, they do it so they can, so you know, they can fill hours of programming in between Good Morning Football reruns and reruns of preseason games and preseason practices and this, that, and that. But they, they should, they should do away with it at this point. I mean, they, 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 you know, they get. They get the name wrong. They get the list wrong, damn near every year. You know, they they didn't one year they didn't have Mahomes ranked number one. Another year they didn't have Lamar Jackson ranked in the top ten, top five. The year after he won the MVP unanimously. I mean, and let me and I saw a tweet from Andrew Whitworth, the former Bengal and Ram defense, or excuse me, defensive left tackle, about the uh, about the. Um, the 100 list that I saw was that I thought was very interesting. Uh, just let me see if I can find it. That I saw was ve that that I really liked, and I saw it was and I saw it was very compelling. Um, I also saw that he trashed the uh, Florio. What else was new? Um, 
I saw it. I wish I could have saved it at the time because it was a hell of a tweet by him. Um, ba ba ba. Let me see. But they they got to do away with the list. It's because they again the the individuality of every position is too complex and it's too unique and special for me to essentially wipe it clean and say positions aside let's rank how good of a football player Trent Williams is compared to Tyree Kill I I I, I can't do that I can't here it is uh cuz a fan tweeted the NFL top 100 is a joke popularity contest uh and then they give their reasons why. And Andrew Whitworth says, quote, it's, It has been for a long time, sir. It's a joke. Content filler. Just let just do a live show and let the TV talent pick it. That way, it's at least a real opinion. False claims that all players vote on it as well. My bad, just keeping it real. So it sounds like to me that basically... It sounds like a couple things. One... That not all players vote on it, which is a problem because the whole selling point of this list is that it's decide not decided by fans, not decided by broadcasters, commentators, pundits, talking heads, media members, beat writers, journalists, talk show hosts. It's decided by the NFL coaches. It's decided by the NFL player constituency. So that's the first problem. Second thing is, like I said, it's a content. It gives the NFL Network something to air during during the off during the off season, and when they want to give their studio crew people a break, and when they're done showing reruns of old football games that we've seen and talked about and dissected at ad infinitum ad infinitum for the last six months. Uh, so it's so you know, and it also I get the feeling that the NFL players from Whitworth's tweet, although he doesn't say it. It sounds like that that Whitworth is uh, putting it out there that the pl- that the players that do vote and decide on these lists really do it out of popular really do it out of popularity and do it out of which guys they like and which guys they don't like that they don't really know how to dissect uh, each player's from a talent standpoint and and, and know how to compare the players. Like the people that do it for a living on TV do, which is why he said have it a live show where the people on TV create the list, because he he's giving that impression that that the that the NFL that the NFL players uh, constituency don't know how to comparatively rank players up against each other and give arguments and give stats and give proof why why player X is better than player Y. So I say all that to say, included with Andrew Whitworth's brilliant tweet, that they should just do away with the damn thing altogether. Waste of time, content, it's a content filler. Ha- a, not all players vote on it, according to Whitworth, which show- which shows that this list is, is false advertising, illegitimate. And also that the players themselves, judging by the problems that we've had with the list in the past, uh, a la Josh Allen being ranked the 13th best player in the National Football League and not top five, top three, arguably. Uh, and of course, the one the years where Mahomes and 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 and, and the uh, I forget specifically what it was. I know I ran and raved about it at the time. You go back in the in the show archives and check out uh, what players they were for the, my specific thoughts on it. But I know one year it was a joke where 
Mahomes, I think, wasn't ranked number one, and Lamar Jackson wasn't ranked at least top 10, top 5 after he had won the MVP. So, in conclusion, it's a complete waste of time. And again, for the and again, I know I repeat myself, but I've dropped but I'm driving the point home. You can't the it's an ultimate team sport, but every responsibility of every single position is so unique and is so special and important and vital to to making the whole machine run. That is that is a football team eleven on eleven that you can't all of a sudden throw it throw every single position responsibility and the differences and the uniqueness of a position, throw it all out the window to put so you in, you know for you to rank. Say here, rank the 100 best NFL players 100 to one. You you can't do that because the responsibilities of Trent Williams allows Debo Samuel to do what he does as a running back quarterback, as a running back wide receiver hybrid. The Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's pocket presence and his arm strength and his and his uh, and and his accuracy and his ability to throw the football and his and his mental and physical capacities that that, that, that with him being with him being the level of quarterback that he is allows Jamar Chase to put up the numbers that he's putting up and vice versa. So me personally, they should do it all together. Rank defensive linemen with defensive linemen, edge rushers with edge rushers, corners to corners, safety to safeties, linebackers to linebackers, defensive player to defensive player, offensive player, non-quarterback skill position, to not to not to offensive player, non-quarterback skill position, offensive lineman to offensive lineman, quarterback to quarterback. To blend them all together to the huge mosh pit, it's it, 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 because somebody's going to somebody's going to get slighted. Somebody when you when you when you make it a huge mosh pit and smorgasbord, somebody's going to get slighted. You say, oh, okay, well, all quarterbacks, defensive players, running back, you know, rank rank your top five best players. Somebody's going to get sl- slighted. You know, the best offensive lineman in the National Football League. You know. You know, Trent Williams, for a perfect example, is going to get slighted when you say rank the top five best players in the sport, and and you and you got to make sure that you put Allen, Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, at least those four on your list, and then and throw in a wide receiver, whether it be Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, somebody's going to get slighted. So all in all, the one hundred, the t- NFL top one hundred list is, is a complete waste of time. You know, it, t- t- it's t- I understand Tom Brady's Tom Brady, and he's the goat, greatest quarterback of all time, and what a and a hell of a season, MVP caliber season he had last year for the Bucks. But is he the best player in the National Football League right now? Best quarterback, I'd say no. Best player. Mm, I don't. I won't say not even close, but no. Top five, top ten, top five quarterback, top five, top ten player in the sport. Yes, best player all around. If you could even do that, no. Simply because of the fact that he's not the best quarterback, and he's not the best. If he's not the best quarterback, he can't be the best player. I, that's the way I would put it. If he's not the best quarterback in the sport, he can't be the best player. That's just how it works. 
take a break. We'll stick with the NFL. Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers are next. The I'm Telling Can Tell Yes podcast. Welcome back to the Amatella um, Like a T.I. Is podcast. Switching gears, not really, but changing the topic of conversation to Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers, the two quarterbacks of the uh, NFC Divisional Playoff game back in January. Quick thing to sound Rodgers, but the majority of this segment will be, uh, will be about... Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, who is back uh, with the San Francisco 49ers for the 2022 season at least one more time. Um, And I think that the San Francisco 49ers right here are playing with fire. You can, you, you will not be able to explain to me and make and be able to explain the logic behind Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to the San Francisco 49ers even as a backup you will not be able to explain to me how it makes sense on that accord when this guy has brought the 49ers to not one but two NFC championship game appearances I understand that he didn't really win the game for him against Green Bay, but he didn't lose it for him like Aaron Rodgers did. Okay, and he had to, and he played fairly solid. He had a cut. Well, I shouldn't say fairly solid because he almost gave him the game against Dallas. How do I forget? But he wasn't. He I put it to you like this: he wasn't work. He didn't play worse than his opponent did. He did just enough to be better than his opposition. He wasn't great against Dallas, but he was better than Dak Prescott. He wasn't great. Uh, he what? He wasn't good. wasn't great against Green Bay, but he wasn't atrocious like Aaron Rodgers was against 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 San Francisco. And if the, I forget the player's name, but if the defensive back, because uh, it's you know not, I'm working myself into the football mind of things, and it was after all it was what uh, seven months ago. If the defensive back for San Francisco catches a a a free flies, easy catch it with your eyes closed interception that was an absolute gift, gift. From Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo is most likely, unless he were to foul up the Super Bowl, most likely still the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And let's also not forget that if it wasn't for Shanahan, who loves choking in the Super Bowl, and if it wasn't for Robert Sala and his god-awful defense, hello Richard Sherman, 3rd and 15, Tyre- Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill in the 4th quarter, he, the 49ers probably would have won that Super Bowl in a game that Garoppolo played very good in for 3 quarters. And if the 49ers defense doesn't choke, if the San Francisco offense doesn't stall out with uh, Kyle Shanahan and his play calling <clears throat> as per usual, then Trey Lance isn't even there. They don't trade up to get him, and we're not even having this conversation. But 49ers lost that Super Bowl. Lance is here, 
and Garoppolo was horrendous in the fourth quarter against the Rams. Here it is. He's going to be a backup heading into this season instead of being off the team altogether, which to me makes no sense. And I'll explain to you why. There's been a controversy with the there's been a Quebec controversy with the San Francisco 49ers ever since Trey Lance was drafted. Because the San Francisco 49ers have are not, have not been the Jets, the Jaguars, the Lions, the Bengals until Burrow got there. They are not the Giants. They had the Washington to a certain degree. They had not been a team where you know that they're starting from scratch. They're not a Super Bowl contender. Their roster has has room for improvement to become a contending football team to where they can afford having a quarterback controversy on their hands and not have it be the end of the world. Because we all know good and well that they're not going to be there to compete to win a championship, you know, in the season, in the current season, and the seasons coming up down the road. For the San Francisco 49ers, that is not the case for them. The San Francisco 49ers are a win now team. They have George Kittle, they have Nick Bosa, and they just got finished locking up Debo Samuel for the next few seasons. They are one of the best offensive lines in all of football, and they are going to have not a good, a damn great defense this season. A fant- a, a, a Good luck scoring on the San Francisco 49ers this season because their defense is going to be cream of the crop and not just the NFC, but in all of football. And throwing the fact Kittle, one like we discussed previous segment briefly, one of the best tight ends in all of football, and they just locked up Debo Samuel, who is one of the most special, most unique, talented offensive players this league has to offer. And they are what two thousand nineteen season is heading into what three three years removed from that NFC Championship season and Super Bowl appearance. So it's going on three years since you since you won the NFC Championship by a country mile beating Green Bay and came within a fourth quarter away from winning the Super Bowl. You had a down year the year before because or the or excuse me, a year after because you were injured a Helen back, and then you come back in twenty twenty one, you're back like you never left, pick up right where you left off essentially in two thousand and nineteen, and you you don't win your division, but you have a solid regular season and you almost go back to Super Bowl again and you go to the and you go to the NFC Championship game. And yet you have a controversy on your hands. Not to mention players signed for agency and everything else. So and what it show and what it says to me, John Lynch will never say it publicly. Kyle Shanahan will never say it publicly. They can endorse and wave the pom-poms for Trey Lance until they're blue in the face until the cows come home. 
What this proves to me is that they're not as big and they're not as sold on Trey Lance being the QB1, the premier top quarterback and leader for that team, for that offense, and for that franchise as they were when they were confident enough to draft to draft up, to, take, to, 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 to trade for him in a draft a few years ago. That's what this proves to me. Nobody cares about preseason, about one little driver. He goes four for six, and he throws 85 yards on the touchdown pass. Uh, against players, the majority of them won't be on the week one opening day 53-man roster. Majority of them, depending on who, he, who, what team he plays and what town he goes up against. Nobody cares about preseason. He a very, very small sample size in North Dakota State. And I what, he get one start last year for San Francisco? I mean, uh, come on. It, it is a, not, not Cam Newton. He's not, uh, he's, he's not Mac Jones. Not even Tua as far as the college sample size normal that you're getting. And he damn skippy ain't Joe Burrow. Not Kenny Pickett as far as going off as far as the, the sample size you get with him. Not Trevor Lawrence most definitely. So it's not so so you got a very you're 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 trying to sell us that Trey Lance is going to be the answer compared to what you already have where I get it, Jimmy Garoppolo is not Joe Montana he's not Steve Young but he did get you to two NFC championships he's one year division he's gotten you to a Super Bowl he's won you not lost He's lost you some, but he's won more playoff games for you than he's lost for you. And with all of that put into the equation, you, for better or for worse, are going to make Trey Lance your guy when Jimmy Garoppolo costs you in the fourth quarter in a championship game against the Rams. So I get that. And I said to myself, and I said it at the time, in moment, and I, I believe I came on here and I said on the show that Jimmy G's days as a San Francisco 49er quarterback are numbered. And after the fourth quarter he had against the Rams, who who could argue that? But you can't, but, you, but the move is not moving on from him and still keeping him on your team, still keeping him on your payroll as the backup quarterback. Because what happens... The, the, the 49ers' first three games are the Bears, the Seahawks, and the Rams. What happens if he doesn't play well against the, against the Bears but gets bailed out because of his defense and the Bears are going to be upon the league worse in the, in the, in the NFC this year? So they go 1-0, albeit Lance doesn't play. What happens if he spits the bit against, against Seattle, gets outplayed by Geno Smith, who looks like Russell Wilson, and they're 1-1? and and in the and in the two games, Trey Lance has has looked like a complete bust. Bust. What do you do then? Well, they start zero and two. What are you going to do? You going to ju- if they if he could if they start zero and two and they can't get the job done against against the uh, against the scum of the NFC this season that is going to be the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks. Well, what the hell do you expect them to do against against the cream of the crop of your division and of the NFC, if not all of football, the reigning Super Bowl champion Rams in Week Three? Still stinging and still lingering and recovering off of when they broke your hearts in the championship game back in January, eight months prior. I understand, you know, you can't put out Jimmy G there again, but but we but what are you gonna do? At least you know what you're getting with Jimmy G. You don't know what you're getting with Trey Lance. 
And what you claim and what you think of getting with Trey Lance is off of a very small, close, small encapsulated in, 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 in sample size, which I don't think is big enough to me as a football fan and as a and as a uh, quote unquote critic and quote unquote analyzer of these games is big enough to say ah. He's the one. He's the guy that I want to be the quarterback of my team. When we ha- when outside of the quarterback, we have a roster from top to bottom, one to f- well two to fifty three, worthy enough to compete to uh, worthy en- worthy enough to compete and win a Super Bowl. What are you going to do? Blow up your season and waste a and these and especially in a salary cap league in the NFL. The unless you're the New England Patriots. The Super Bowl contending window is here today and gone tomorrow. You got about a good four, four to five year true, legit contending period for you to win a championship. And yes, you can make the playoffs year on year out basis. Yes, you can make the playoffs century years. Just because you're a playoff contender. And you win your division every year, or you win, or you go to the playoffs ten years in a row, doesn't necessarily make you a Super Bowl contender. For a perfect example, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers were Super Bowl contenders in two thousand and two thousand fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. They made the playoffs in two thousand and. 20 and 21 but they weren't Super Bowl contenders albeit they were playoff contenders and clinched playoff spots won 9 plus games didn't necessarily make them Super Bowl contenders there's a difference you don't necessarily have to go 4 and 12 or 6 and 10 or 3 and 13 3 and 14 to not be a Super Bowl contender you don't necessarily have to go seven and nine, seven and ten, eight and nine, eight and eight to not be a super, to to be to not be considered a Super Bowl contender either. You can go ten and six, eleven and five, not be a Super Bowl contender. Pittsburgh Steelers made the playoffs last year, not a Super Bowl contender. The Las Vegas Raiders made the playoffs last year via you know in the madness of Week 18, not a Super Bowl contender. In the NFC side, the Chicago Bears made a playoffs at eight and eight in twenty twenty, not a Super Bowl contender. The 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 Washington won their division in twenty twenty at, at seven and nine, not a super not a Super Bowl contender that year. So just because you make the playoffs doesn't necessarily equal the fact you're going to be a Super Bowl contender. The 49ers are a Super Bowl contender. The problem is, is that they do not have a Super Bowl contending quarterback, Garoppolo Lance. They're, they're not Montana and Steve Young. They don't have that on their roster, which makes it very, very difficult. The, the, the Packers have Super Bowl contending quarterback on their roster, albeit they haven't been there in over 10 years. They have one. The Rams with Stafford obviously just won one. They have one. The Bengals have one. The Chiefs. Have one. The Broncos have one. The Chargers have one. The Ravens have one. 
The Browns, when Watson comes back, have one. The 49ers don't have one. Yet, their entire roster is crafted with those of the likes of a of a team that is, and they are, a Super Bowl contending team looking to win the Super Bowl. That's in the conversation of winning and at least competing going to the Super Bowl. And you cannot, under any circumstances, throw that away and waste a year of that for the developmental stages and developmental processes selfishly for Trey Lance. You can't. You cannot do that. I understand. Again, Garoppolo is not Joe Montana, but he gives you a better chance competing to at least get back to the Super Bowl at in this moment in time than Trey Lance does. He does. Is he going to go up in an, better than Brady? No. Better than than Stafford? No. Better than Rodgers? No. But he's better than a player that you're unsure of who you use for first round draft pick, traded to get traded in the draft to get him. He's better than Lance. And you cannot waste a year and waste a Super Bowl contending window, waste a Super Bowl contending season, waiting to see whether or not Trey Lance is whether or not Trey Lance is better than Jimmy Garoppolo that you see hoisting a Lombardi with the with the gold and and red confetti confetti raining from the rafters. You, you, you raining from the sky. You you can't. When you're the Jets you can. When you're the Detroit Lions, you can. When you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you can. When you're the Chicago Bears, you can. When you're the Seattle Seahawks now, you can. When you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, not the Saddest Steelers are a bad team, but everybody and mother knows the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't a Super Bowl contender. You can. When you're the Houston Texans, you can. When you're the San Francisco 49ers, two years removed from Super Bowl appearance and a season eight months removed from a championship game appearance, you cannot. Not when you gave Debo Samuel the money that you gave him. Not when you have the players of the of the dynamic and of the greatness in uh, uh, Kittle and Bosa and Williams and among everybody else. You can't. You can't. And keeping him on the roster says to me, no matter how much they may say otherwise, that they're not 100% sold on. Because if you are, why have that? Why have that? That 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 lingering pest, so to speak, that that temptation, that that low hanging fruit, that distraction of having a quarterback that, albeit, is not great. But has but has proven that he can get it. That he's competent. He's an above average competent quarterback that you can win with. You can win regular seasons game regular season games with. You can even win playoff games with him. Why have that over your young QB's shoulder? If you if you expect him and expect us the fans and the outsiders to believe that the, that the keys to the forty nine er car are in Lance's hands. When you still have Jimmy G sitting beside him, breathing over his shoulder, breathing down his neck, spectating as his backup. 
where the minute he gets hurt or the minute he plays poorly and it's and the 49ers are now a couple games down in the loss column looking up in the division at the Rams or 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 chug-a-lugging behind uh you know the Eagles for you know the Eagles and the uh and the Cardinals for example and you know and the wild card chase in the NFC you know And 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 then your fan base is going to be kicking and screaming on Twitter and calling up talk shows, you know, kicking and screaming wanting Jimmy Garoppolo because they don't want a season and they don't want a Super Bowl contending window wasted to for the you know for for the developmental stages of a young quarterback when their team is ready to win a Super Bowl now. They'd rather take their chances and and hope and pray and hope that that Garoppolo gets lucky. Getting back to the Super Bowl and winning one, and having a one-year wonder flash in the pan, give the old college old college try one more time, rather than having to sit through and deal with and stomach the growing pains of Trey Lance. Even if Lance even ends up becoming a Joe Montana, Steve Young to this franchise in the near future, if he isn't this. Come week one, 2022, the 49ers got a problem on their hands. Because with the way that this team is constructed, Trey Lance being one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League come 2024, 2025, 2026, does this current 49er team in 2022, it doesn't do him any favors. Nor does it do Kyle Shanahan any favors, nor does it do... Uh, the GM John Lynch any favors and it damn sure don't do their fan base any favors because they're in a position to compete and win a championship for the right here and right now and keeping him on your roster look at be, being the guy that's going to be breathing down Trey Lance's neck is going to be the con- the topic of conversation is going to be name dropped every single time Lance has a has a has a has a bad game or doesn't wow you with his performances on a weekend week out basis every Sunday you're setting Lance and you're setting yourself, your team, up for failure. And you're and you are all and you're essentially just creating the concoction for there to be division, conflict, and controversy. That's all you're doing. You're you're sowing the seeds for controversy and for disruption and for distraction. And as a team that's trying to compete to to, to go back to the Super Bowl. That that's not how you want to run. That's not how you want to run your business. That's not how you want to want to run your locker room and run your football team. So if you're all in on Trey Lance, I disagree with your reasons why. But it's your decision. It's your team. It's not mine. If you're all in on him, fine. But why in the hell is Jimmy G still on the roster? I don't want to hear security and mentorship. This, that, and the other. Eventually, the Kansas City Chiefs said goodbye to Alex Smith. When they were convinced that Mahomes was their guy that was going to that was going to take them to the promised land, they eventually bit they eventually bit the bullet and and, and cut their and cut their ties and cut their losses and said goodbye to Alex Smith and said Mahomes this this is this is your team. 
Kansas City eventually had to cut bait with 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 Alex Smith because they realized that it would be counterproductive to Mahomes' development as a quarterback and would be and would be contradictory to the message that they would send to Mahomes, the locker room, and the fan base if they say Mahomes, this is your team, you're the guy, you're a starting quarterback, but yet they kept Alex Smith on the roster as their backup, still paying them, and he's still on the team payroll at the same time, simultaneously. This could be a recipe for disaster for the 49ers if they're not careful. And last thing, you know, just to say what the hell because I'm because I've grown sick and tired of them over the last, you know, year or so. If if you're Aaron Rodgers, you know, no one cares uh, no one cares about the about the psychiatric drugs you take. And this guy sitting here talking about how he how he's taking every psychiatric drug underneath the sun. Yet he won't take a vaccine, which is which is tough to hear and tough to stomach. I got to be honest with you, but but the but the bottom line is with Aaron Rodgers, no one cares. No one cares about 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 the drugs about the drugs you take and how you feel and your thoughts on society and your thoughts on medicine and the vaccine. Nobody cares. Okay, I I refuse to believe that Aaron Rodgers, who's a starting quarterback, who spends all hours of the all hours of the day, day and night, and in his job and what he's supposed to be focused on doing is studying film, studying tape, being out on the practice field in the weight room and making himself a better. How hard time believing that Aaron Rodgers knows more about the vaccine, what the COVID vaccine, and knows more about the coronavirus. Than the, uh, than, 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 than the doctors of the, uh, of the World Health Organization, the CDC, and just the regular doctors that read up on this and study this and work and practice on patients that have been sick with coronavirus. I have a hard time he knows more about the disease than those doctors who had to live with it and are still having to live with it and deal with it on a, on a day in, day out, night in, night out basis, you know, f- every day since, every, every day since, uh, you know, since, uh, no, since November, since essentially November, December of 2019, when the first few cases started popping up. I, 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 I refuse, I refuse to believe that. That he knows more about it than 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 the individuals that had to deal with it and had to live with it every day for the last two years. I refuse. When when he's supposed to be breaking down and studying film and studying tape in the meeting rooms, running quarterback drills at practice and in the weight room. And come on, man. Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy that 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 thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and and feels the need to show you why he why he you know he he's the type of guy that says let me show you why why I am a uh, a uh, a Cal Berkeley graduate. We we all we all know where you went to school, uh, 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 Rodgers. He feels the need that he's got to flex on everybody how smart he is and how much he knows about the world outside outside of uh, outside of you know the the the, the, the two minute offense that him and Lafleur you know run up in Green Bay, and when he goes to that route, it, it gets him in trouble. This isn't you know athletes speaking out on racial injustices because they lived it all their lives and have friends and fa- that that's a that's a different argument. That's speaking. That's speaking on issues of the world that they that they deal with personally from a from a from a personal POV firsthand experience. 
that's different than getting on somebody's podcast where they feed them softball questions where they don't press them on anything a la Joe Rogan with the Joe Rogan experience, that nut, and, and him pontificating on what he thinks he knows about about sciences, what he thinks and knows what he what he thinks he knows about medicine and uh, and ver- and varial diseases. Here's what I would say to Aaron Rodgers: Shut the hell up, get in the lab, win a damn home playoff game every once in a while, beat San Francisco in the playoffs, whether it, whether it's at Candlestick Park, Levi Stadium, or at Lambeau Field. Beat the 49ers in the playoffs, win at home in the playoffs in general, and get back to a Super Bowl. Here's and another and another win it, win an win an NFC Championship game. You don't win them in Seattle. You don't win them at the Georgia Dome. You don't win them in Green Bay. Win, it, win an NFC Championship game. Will you please? I, I can't listen to Aaron Rodgers tell us how wrong everybody is about about things in society and how and how things and how, and how society is wrong and how people think the wrong way and do things and operate their lives the wrong way. When he ain't even the he's he's good at his craft. He's not an immortal, and he's not as good, and he's not as great as he could be in his craft. I can't listen to somebody lecture anybody on anything outside of their craft when they don't master their own damn craft themselves. I I can't I can't you know it you know you know what it'd be like it'd be like listening to a rest uh, a a manager of a small business restaurant. Lecture us on how he th- on, on on how he done on how he thinks the the his local government and and United States government is poorly ran yet yet he can't even run his own damn small business mom and pop restaurant. It'd be it'd be the same premise. Aaron Rodgers is out there getting his ass kicked in playoff games by the likes of quarterbacks of Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Is there anybody else I'm forgetting? Uh, um, that's a, that's an all-time great. No, I think that's it. I mean, he lose on playoff games to the likes of those guys, and yet he's going to see being lecture to the world on what he thinks about COVID and the vaccine. I mean, really. And again, still hiding hiding behind the semantics and playing word games with with his immunized comment. Instead of just being a la Kyrie Irving, a la uh, Novak Djokovic, and said, the hell with what you all think, I'm not taking the vaccine. Instead of playing the word salad games with the immunized, knowing good and damn well his ass isn't vaccinated and had no intentions on getting vaccinated. And if you are allergic to the mRNA stuff that's, that's putting the vaccine, fine. Come right out in the press conference, behind the microphone, like you should have last August, and say so. And not playing semantics and playing the word salad. Please. Anyway, had to get that off my chest. Nothing I have to get off my chest. School's starting before Labor Day. Find out more after this.
Welcome back to the I'm going to tell like it is podcast. Real quick before I get to my uh, little tangent here, I got to say about school starting before Labor Day, which is a joke. Uh, the Chargers re-sign uh, sign Sony Michelle from the Dolphins. That's another. That's a NFL storyline of that uh, uh, float your boat. And also we have Jalen Rager, Eagles sending him to the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for a 2023 seventh round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth round pick that uh, would escalate to a fifth round pick if certain statistical marks are not met. That according to Adam Schefter of ESP of uh, ESPN. So uh, which is which is a uh, <laughs> which is a. Uh, um, which is at a very interesting trade. I'm laughing because I'm reading all the uh, Twitter, because I'm looking at all the uh, twi- all the uh, Twitter um, uh, replies here. But what should but the Vikings uh, with the Vikings wide receiver core room gets a little bit busier with the likes of Jalen Re- with the likes of Jalen Rager added uh, along with, with uh, Justin Jefferson and the whole crew. Um, just to get those two things on the board. Switching gears now to something, and I, you know, one of the beauties and one of the reasons why I like doing this show, I like, I love doing this show, is because it allows me the, you know, the little platform that I do have, you know, the, uh, when we first started and even back during the COVID years, I mean, everybody couldn't get enough of the podcast, you know, Jive, when's the next podcast dropping? The next guest, oh, I, you had Mad Dog going, I really enjoyed the Mad Dog interview, oh yeah, you had YouTube Professor, no way, how'd you get him on, uh, you know, uh, Urinating Tree, man, that's solid, bro, that's tough, bro, you got Urinating Tree, how'd you, everybody loves the show, and now all of a sudden, it's like, you know, man, 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 congratulations. You know, you was, we were, of course, the show was sponsored by Manscaped for about a month and a half or so back in the winter time. Oh, you man, yeah, Manscaped, man, good job. Now, all of a sudden, you know, the, the show, uh, and partly to blame with my end because of the fact that, that, uh, that yours truly has been busy away from the microphone with college and school and everything else. So we, ha- so I, we haven't had the, uh, so we haven't had the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, at least with me, haven't had the, t- well, me with me, I'm the one that runs the whole damn show, uh, haven't had the, the time and the opportunity to do as many shows as I would like for you all, but, um, but, uh, you know, a lot of the, I'll put it to you like this. The more, those of you that were listening to me when the show first started back when I was in high school, I would love for you all to come back. That's what I was, especially during the football season, because early on, the football season was when you, when the show was popping, and last year's football season, I was standing. So I will say to spread the word, you know, for those of you, if you got friends, if you got family out there, if you got people within your circle, uh, co-workers, acquaintances that that love sports, that like hearing different people's opinions about sports and loves the, the, the sports talk uh, type of genre, whether it's on TV or radio, tell them to check out this show. You know, I'm telling you, T-I-S, uh, podcast with Jai Shields, T-I-S, that's T with a dash, I dash, I-S, is T I is read it in that sort of uh, you read it in that uh, in in that specific way. But tell them to uh, stop on by, check us out. We are of course on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, 
and iHeartRadio. I got I sure I got enough Twitter I got enough Twitter followers uh for me being some no name twenty year old that I that you would figure that we'd have a little bit more people listening to the show, but that of course notwithstanding, yours truly, if you care, has uh eight hundred and forty seven Twitter followers, which you know, come in the next few years, yours truly should be about a should be a, creeping around, if not over the thousand, uh, the thousand follower mark. So let's also, if we could, get the followers up on that as well. But you got enough followers, you figure there'd be more people listening. I mean, the only people I know that are sitting around there listening to the show on a on a week in week out basis. You know, uh, are are uh, Mike and the OC, and Mike and the OC can only count for one listen per ep- one listen one download per episode. So uh, we need more, and I appreciate Mike and the OC for listening. But uh, and those of you out there that do, you know, up some up in the tri-state area, and and and, and those you know bouncing around college with people that I used to go to school with that that occasionally check me out uh, every now and again be greatly appreciated for uh, you know for your surely can you know so you all to spread the word about a your surely's podcast but anyway I digress one of the uh, many great things about this podcast is that it allows me the platform not just on Twitter I mean, the only reason why I'm on Twitter and Instagram is because of this show but one of the great things about this show is that I can you know, we do it when it's when it's serious stuff. When it's with you know George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, with the whole police brutality thing. We touched a little bit on January sixth when it happened. I no, I don't think I did. I just checked that. Not January sixth, but the twenty twenty election. I did. So I'm not. Uh, so if you've been listening to the show over the last four years, maybe uh, at the minimum two years tw- since twenty twenty. Not even going back to two thousand eighteen when I was in high school. Uh, but if you've been listening to the show for a good amount of time, you know that I haven't been a, been a, afraid to to get off topic when it comes to when it, even with the movies a little bit. When I haven't uh, with the movies and TV shows, I've had to cut. You know, when I was breaking down, you know, the better shows, Victorious, Austin and Alley, during the uh, you know when during the time in 2020 during the spring when you had no sport, when you had no March Madness, no MLB regular season, and no NBA playoffs to sink your teeth. To. So it's not been so. This show has allowed me the element for me to to diverge across, you know, away from sports when 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 appropriate and when I feel like it, when it's necessary for me to give you my opinions on things outside of the sports world. Uh, we even did it, you know, uh, most recently. T- most recent time I can recall us doing it was back in March uh, with the Will, with the Will Smith Chris Rock slap at the Oscars. Um, but but anyway, uh, but but you get the idea. It, it is amazing, and I say all that to say that it is amazing to me how in 2022, where we have technology at our fingertips all around, we have MacBooks, we have iPads, we have Chromebooks, we have Microsoft Surfaces, we have smartwatches, we have Amazon Alexa, we have smart TVs. We have uh, we 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 got we got smartphones with with the, with Sam we get with the Android with your Samsung uh, the iPhone iPhone uh, 10 11 12 13 I think I think 
I think the 14 phone is soon to find. We got all the technology at our fingertips. 2022, we know more now. We we know more about the world and the things that came in its earlier earlier stages of it than we hadn't ever be- than ever before. Yet for whatever the reason, and this is also, mind you, in in the mix of or excuse me, in the aftermath of 2020 and dealing with the COVID year where you had students essentially online for, you know, from uh, from late from late summer to early summer, from August slash September to May and June. It, it has, and it's always been something that's been on my mind since I was a kid. You know, I, and, and I don't know about you, but if but it, and with me, the way, not the way I grew up, but the people and the adults and the older family members, whether it's my parents, aunts, uncles, older cousins, grandparents, the people that, the older people that's been in my family throughout my life, they have always, especially during the summertime, they always sit there and ask, you know, you go to family reunions, go to family functions, they give you the the the, the 73 questions with Vogue magazine. Not your parents necessarily, but you get the 73 questions with Vogue magazine, like you're sitting down on 60 Minutes. Uh, you get the, peppered the 90,000 million questions all at one time at the family gatherings, at, at the at the, at the the little social get-togethers. You get, you know, especially, especially in... Uh, you know, after July Fourth, more or less. You know, you, you know, when you go back to school, you ready for school? You ready for this? You ready for that? You, you, you get peppered with that, and every single time, you know, I, I, I had gotten asked from the time I was a little kid up until now, with me being a college student, you get asked when you go back, this and the other. You tell them, and those of you that are within my age demographic, you know what's coming next. You get the response. Man, you go to school August. Man, I remember I when I was in school, we go back to the the Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. If I had a nickel for every single time I heard that throughout my life, ladies and gentlemen, I'd be sitting on about a half a million dollars at this point. And it leads me to this. And every single time I would hear it, I'd be like, "Okay, interesting." Went to school before, man, well, I wonder what that was like, you know, not having it be the final week, having it be, you know, August 25th, 27th, 28th, 29th, 31st of August, not having to be in school for another week. So, man, what, even having a couple of the first few days in September off of school, man, what was that like? And the older I got, the more I heard it, and the more I heard it, the more I started thinking about it. And also the and also the older I get and also the older I got, the more I mean that's with anybody. The older you get, the more and more you hate and, and you despise school, especially the be especially the the anticipation and the preparation of getting ready for the next school year. The older the older the older you get, the more the more you begin to. Resent it, you go, oh, and you sulk in your chair and you roll your eyes, and it's like, oh my god, here we go. Now, I will admit, the older I did get, though, especially, I'd say, the years in which I would return to the same school, so heading into my seventh grade year, my eighth grade year, my ninth grade year. My eleventh and twelfth years, the 
the summers going into them are or that the experience of like oh my god got to go back to school but then once you're there it's not as bad because it's like you know everybody you, you have you have new teachers but you know everybody you know, you essentially pick up right from your left off. Everybody's still goofy as hell because it's the, because it's the first time seeing, at least, especially when I was in high school. You know, because you, you're seeing each other for the first time. The majority of people you're seeing for the first time in 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 about three months or so. But it, but the but you know, the older you get, the more and more you just re- resent school and resent having to get back into the rhythm of going back to school in general. And it's and you begin at least with me. You begin Sandy itself. It's like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. Why, why aren't if they went to school, and you understand that you know you got you. I understand you know you got older uh, family members, but it's like, well, when they were in school, it was only when they were in elementary school, it was only forty years ago, or when they were in elementary school, it was only fifteen, twenty, twenty-five years ago. When they were in high school, they graduated 20, 25 years ago. That person graduated 30 years ago, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, you know, 50 years ago, whatever the case might be. It's like, well, really, what what has changed? I'm not certain stuff with along when it comes to schooling has changed here and there within the last 50 years or so going that far back. But it's like, which at least this is how my brain works. And with me, uh, it was like, well, what the hell is there to going to school in Labor Day in 1984, 1985, 2012, 8, 9, 10. Like, what what has changed to the point where I got to be in school a week and a half earlier than my older family members did? And as a kid, getting older, you know, finding out, you know, creating your own idea and creating your own take and viewpoint on the world and as society as a whole you're older you begin to process more stuff learn about more stuff more stuff gets exposed to you and it's always been something where it's like well what the what the hell what the hell am i going to school you know in in late august for and you begin to ask yourself that question and it's to the point where where i where i've concluded where i'm done this is be what my third school year after this up this right here is my third school year post high school post high school post me graduating from high school so i've done k through 12th graduate quote-unquote graduated kindergarten quote-unquote graduated elementary school quote-unquote it's not like a real graduation but they do it you know to make you know to make you know, because they want to put it on that level as graduating high school, college, graduate school is. Everybody realistically knows that it isn't. Um, it's not. You know, graduating the graduating middle school moving on to high school. Although my my maternal grandfather didn't do it because he couldn't because of the fact that he had to take care of his large family because his father left him this and any other. It's not on that level of accomplishment as graduating high school, college, graduate school is. But anyway, I digress. Having done all of that, you sit back and you say to yourself, you know, what is, what really is like the, like, what, why? Like, you, you begin to question 
you know, these stuff in life, you begin to question. So some people, they they question their faith. They question the meaning of life. I mean, I don't really go over all, all that deep. I The thing I walk away with questions of is why in the hell am I going to school? And why why was I going to school K through and, and moments K through twelve, and why am I seeing my siblings and and my younger cousins? Why am I seeing them being in school before the first of September? Why, why, I, why, like I could not, and I still can't compute the reason why. I have yet to, in my twenty in my twenty years of li- my twenty short years of living. Having been a considered a legal adult in the eyes of the state of Maryland and to the United States of America for three years now, I have yet to hear a politician, whether that be a mayor, a city mayor, governor, president of the United States, congressman, whether whether they be in the House representatives, a senator. Somebody up on the Supreme Court, a city councilman, a treasurer, a a, a, a a PTA president, a director of a school board. I have yet to hear anybody on whether it's the local level of government, the state level of government, or the federal level of government. Independent. Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party, any of them. I have yet to hear one politician. I understand we got bigger things, issues as far as we're right now, but I'm just saying over over my life, throughout my life to this point thus far. And this is, and I'm talking about pre-COVID, pre-Donald Trump, pre uh, Tavon Martin, pre-George Floyd, pre-Freddie Gray, pre-Brianna Taylor. I'm talking about in my life as a whole, I have never, ever heard yet and one time heard a politician from the local level up to the federal level, nor have I heard a, 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 a teacher a professor at a top-ranked institution, whether that be Harvard, Howard, Yale, uh, Tuskegee, um, uh, Johns Hopkins, uh, Stanford, Duke, Boston College, you name it. A professor, a president of a university, a dean at a major university... I haven't heard not one single word from any of those individuals that hold that either currently hold or has held throughout my lifetime those various positions of power that I had just named. I've yet to name or not not name, but I've yet to see one person in front of a microphone getting interviewed by a local newspaper, a national newspaper. A, 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 a casual sit-down piece for a magazine or a news magazine show, or a, a talk show on a radio, a podcast on Twitter, anywhere, an IG, Facebook Live, anywhere, 
a Twitch, YouTube stream, anywhere. I haven't heard not one person sit in front sit in front of a microphone or with a microphone held to their face or sit in front of a camera and 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 and, and, and break down and uh and articulate the X amount of reasons why and if there are any benefits to 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 kids K through 12 going to school pre the Labor Day holiday. I haven't heard not one person, not a president, a vice president, a first lady, a speaker of the house, a PTA president, a dean or a president or a top high-ranked professor at any major university, HBCU, PWI or otherwise across America. I haven't heard not one person either comment on it out of their own curious or their own imagination or been asked a question by a media member or a, or a podcaster saying what it what is the benefit and why are our kids in school before the Labor Day holiday in early September? Why are kids going back to school the second, third week of August? I haven't heard not one person lay out the lay out the reasons and the benefactors for going to school pre Labor Day. And damn it, I want to know why. I want to know why nobody hasn't said anything, and I want to know the reasons why and the benefits, if there are any, in kids going to school pre Labor Day. Because to me, as someone again, when Kate, who who as an American citizen, born and raised. Playground where I spent most of my days. I have yet K through twelve went through kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and twenty and from the two thousands to up to the, up to the up to the first year of the new decade in twenty twenty, from George Bush to Donald Trump, from the Zika virus. To Ebola, to coronavirus, all throughout my life, I from from the from the days of of the first iPhone to the tenth and eleventh iPhone, I have yet to hear one person sit up here and explain to me what the benefits are, if there are any, and the and just the the general on the surface reasons. Of kids K through 12 going to school pre Labor Day because to me it makes absolutely no sense. Let me get this straight, okay? Th there are very, there are a lot of cities in America, a lot of cities where the public schooling system is in the toilet, okay? And the city that I live in, Baltimore, being one of them, where the public schooling system stinks. Not the county, the city. It stinks. It's in the toilet. Got kids graduating from 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 uh, public city high schools in, in in the 410, reading at a fourth grade reading level, that are failing classes left to right, skipping school, not going to class, barely doing the work, and somehow ending up with a high school diploma, graduating in four years. I mean, come on. So, so uh, what 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 is the benefit? What's the benefit? It's bad enough as it is. And the reason why I say, well, Jay, why are you bringing up the quality of the schooling system? I'll tell you why. 
lack of money, lack of resource resources means not enough material with the books, the iPads, and learn and going through the experience of what it's like being in school in the twenty first century with with the smart Promethean boards, which I with which is what my elementary school had back in the day. Dating myself here, when I was in elementary school. I remember we whenever we used to have indoor recess and uh, indoor recess, we were stuck in a classroom. I'd ask permission if I could use the Promethean board and whiteboard, and I'd pretend I'd be John Madden out there drawing and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and 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 drawing up and, di- and like I was Lombardi with the power sweep and and diagra- and uh, diagramming and drawing up and drawing up football plays. But uh, we, we had the iPads and the, 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 the Microsoft surfaces when I was in middle school, everybody would have their own. Now, we couldn't take it home, but everybody had their own when you got to the eighth grade because my eighth grade class was the first eighth grade class that had to do this to prepare us. When you know we bring in our own computers in, we were in high school to kind of like give us like that college-like environment type setting. You know, you would use your own uh, Dell laptop. You know, so and and again, I was I was fortunate enough where my parents made enough money and had the heart enough to sac many a times to sacrifice to send me to a private school. I I was I so I so I so if there's anybody that that I don't mean to sound pretentious and to sound cocky here, but if there's anybody that can speak on the experiences of schooling as a whole, K through twelve, it's it's yours truly. It's for me right here. I went to public school with many of black and Hispanic students, and I went to private school where. I could count on two hands how many black people were in my entire class, if not damn near the entire school. I've gone to school in Baltimore City. I've gone to school in Baltimore County. I've gone to school in Carroll County. I've gone to private school in Carroll County, private school in Baltimore City. I've gone to, pri- I've gone to public school in Baltimore County. I've gone to schools where it's been predominantly black and Hispanic, to schools where it's predominantly white, to to a school that was that was sixty five forty five, black white, non religious schools, Catholic school, high school I went public, high school I was private, middle school I was private. Elementary school, I was public. So I've 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 expe- I've experienced and I've and I've been you know for not to say that I ch- not to say that I directly chose it to, chose for it to be that way, but I but I've but I have seen in my in my short lifetime in my experience going to school, I've I've seen how the sausage is made and and, and how and how the other half lives. You know, I've I've been around, you know. I've been I've been around a little bit, a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. So I, I I've seen how how the how the how the grass has grown on both sides of the fence. And I, the whole reason why I bring it up is because the majority of the city schools, not just public, but private as well. 
at least within Baltimore. I don't know about New York. I don't know about L.A., Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Tampa, Miami, Atlanta, Charlotte, I'm, uh, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, uh, D.C. I can only go on for what I've lived with here in Baltimore. The city schools, private and public, you ain't going to find a whole lot, hell of a lot of them where the entire building is fully air-conditioned. And I mean air, and I mean those big industrial air conditioning units that sit on the outside of the building. That when you go outside and you come within fifty feet of it, you begin to hear the rouge noise. I'm not talking about your little cheap old air conditioning system where you open up the window, you stick it through the window, plug it in a hole, and that little corner of the room gets 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 pumped with air conditioning. No, 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 no. I'm talking about industrial industrial uh, commercial air conditioning units that you sit on the side of the building, side of the house, and it pumps and it, and, it, and it gives the entire building, entire house that, that, that you're in, air, air, you know, it gives it cool air during the summer months. And the reason why I bring that up is that it's hotter. Now, at least in this part of the country, the weather is no different. Uh, August 29th or August 25th than it is September 4th or September 3rd. But still, why uh, why waste a week? Why go through the hassle and go through the stress and the anxiety of bringing the school kids back in late August for them? A, first of all, unless you're in a school that really loves sticking it to its, to its student body, uh, a la Catholic high, the Catholic High School of Baltimore, which my sister goes to in high school. Unless unless you're that institution, what school is going to go out there and break their back with loading up their kids with information and and teaching them stuff the first week and a half, two weeks of the new school year? What school is going to do that? Though the first two weeks of school is making sure everybody's organized, everybody knows where it's supposed to be, their classroom, their homeroom teacher, their schedule, where they're where, where what class is supposed to be in and when, getting the icebreakers, getting to know their fellow classmates, if there's any new students and transfer students, knowing their new teacher, if the teacher's either new to the school or the teacher's new to the student. Uh, getting a feel for for every, getting a feel for everybody, knowing how everybody thinks, uh, knowing how everybody's brains work and operates. What makes them tick? What makes them doesn't tick? What motivates them? What doesn't motivate them? What makes them laugh? What makes them pissed off? It's 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 that it's the icebreaker orientation part of the school year, especially if you go to a school where you don't have orientation and it's first day. And it's and it's learning how everybody is and 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 the intricacies and the and the logistical part of the school year as as you go along. And even if you go to school that does have orientation, you still catch yourself having to having to work out the kinks, being back in school for the first time in a few months. So and and why go through all of that? Not to mention, you know, it may be back to school and back to the the quote-unquote fall season as far as people, you know, being back in school and being back to work on a regular basis and all the vacation times used up and football season's around the corner and the sun isn't out as late as it was back in June and July, but 
weather-wise, it still is summer throughout the country. It, you still, even though the sun isn't out till a quarter to nine at night, it's still summertime outside. The leaves are still green on the trees. It still gets 90 to 100 degrees outside in the mid-Atlantic part and in the southwest, or excuse me, in the southeast part and, and in, 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 of the United States of America. Still gets hot and it still gets hot as hell with the sun beaming on you in Texas and in Arizona, New Mexico, and in Southern California. It's, it's still, it's still, it still is summer still got to deal with temperatures in the mid 80s and higher still got through the sunshine still got to deal with the thunderstorms and if you live in the mid-atlantic part of the united states and the southeastern part of the united states you still got to deal with the ungodly uncomfortable muggy humidity on top of the hot temperatures because the humidity's through the roof and you factor that all in with the stresses and the anxiety of beginning a new school year for what reason and for what purpose, I have no idea. You're better off avoiding whatever week, week and a half, two weeks left on the back end of summer that you that 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 are there in late August, avoiding them and giving the families across America an extra couple weeks to, to, to A prepare for the upcoming school year and B enjoy the summer. Because once August gets here, you got two and a half weeks, and then if that, depending on where, uh, depending on what state you live in, and then all of a sudden it's back, it's nose to the grindstone, back to work with school. When you essentially, so where some kids essentially had one full month off of school, and that was July. Because you got some parts of the country where you're where you're in school half of June and you don't get off until the week before Father's Day, and you turn around and you're back the first you're back the 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 last full week in August, and the only full month you had from beginning to end you had off of school was July. In other parts of the country, you you know you have you have the majority of June off all of July and only half of August or three fourths of August. Why isn't that? Why isn't that? Do you get all of July, all of August, and you and you return a few days into September in exchange for being in school a few days into the month of June? Why why isn't there that trade off? I don't understand. And for the kids that are in school until the week before Father's Day, that you can't give them off until Labor Day? What the hell is the... You, you go through the machinations and the logistical foolishness of the new school year in the back end of August, not to mention, not to mention sweating your ass off while doing so. Then when you're finally all situated, you're all settled, you know where things are, you know who the new kids are, the new teachers got themselves organized, you got your schedule all together, this, that, and the other, you know, going to a new room, and you're all settled, you're all in situated to finally, you know, say to say yourself, okay, now let's get into the nitty gritty and actually begin doing real schoolwork and learning. Then by the time that part of the of the of the uh, of the of, of of the new school year happens, all of a sudden, four day weekend we'll we'll see on Tuesday, when when the month of September begins. I mean, really, we um, you, you're you're in school for about a week, week, week and a half, two weeks, if that, depending on when you start. And all of a sudden, you get your first off day right out of the right out of the get gate. Uh, three weeks into the new school year with Labor Day. I mean, really? 
So you build up all the momentum with the logistical aspect, making sure everybody, the te the new teachers, if they, if you have any, the the new students, the transfer students, if you have any, moving up to a new grade, deprogramming itself from the everyday routine that you didn't built up for the last six seven months from the previous school year, deprogramming yourself and then reprogramming yourself, getting prepared for the new school year, students and teachers in general. Not to mention uh, adhering to whatever changes that whatever changes that you deal with from last from the previous school year to the to the now to the current school year. You know, you maybe you st you start at 750 rather than at 745 or you start at 815 820 eight o'clock in the morning compared to 745 750 you know the, the 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 class periods are 50 minutes instead of 40 or they're 30 minutes instead of 50 or they're 50 minutes or or an hour compared to an hour and 20 an hour and, and 30 an hour and 10 all, all that taken into account and oh by the way when you're about to begin, okay, we got all that foolishness out of the way behind us. Now let's do actual school. We all of a sudden we throw an off day in your face. Yeah, I mean, you you know what you know what that's like. That's like in baseball when you when you go through the machinations of opening day, putting together a roster together, and making you and getting yourself ready to begin the new season. You have oh, you, you start opening day. For, you know, in baseball, you have opening day. Go through all the the flyover, the introductions, and the new team. If you're a part of a new team, you know, and you, you go through all the processes of 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 of, of being a part of that new season and, and being mentally prepared and mentally ready to take on a new season. You play one, you know, being prepared to get up every single day, get it through your mind. Okay. Every every day now, every day now for over a hundred over a hundred dates spanning six spanning six months, you're gonna more likely than not, you know, eighty percent of the time, you're gonna have to get up and go to work. You know, play a baseball game every day. School, you gotta get up, gotta get up in the morning when you don't feel like it. Get up, go to school every day. You know, with a couple of off days and and a break in between baseball, the All Star break with the school, you with the with the holiday break and spring break. You know, start getting into that mindset, and then all of a sudden, when you, when you, when you finally get yourself immensely prepared to get back into the swing of things with school, or in baseball, get back into the swing of things with with going to work every day, 162 games, six game season, best be prepared. Get get the get the cobwebs and get the and get the memories and the fantasies of the off season and spring training behind you in school. Get the uh, fantasies and, and the memories of of the of the of, of summer vacation, summer break behind you. That then all of a sudden, they hit you with an unnecessary off day. I mean, it, for baseball, you know, they have opening day on Monday, Tuesday, and then we, we and then we don't see it for three days. We we'll, we'll see it Thursday. We we'll see it Friday. I mean, really, we just we just had an off season. We went through all the commotion and all of the hubbub of the new season, and all of a sudden, going to hit us. You're going to hit us with a couple of off days. Why not? Why not? Why bother show up that that Monday or Tuesday, and we'll just see you that weekend? If you're school, why 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 bother showing up August 29th or August 27th, and we'll and we'll and we'll see you the the, the, the day after the Tuesday after Labor Day? I mean, what what what? We're just wasting time, and, and literally, you're wait. You know what it is? You're wasting you're wasting yourself. Your good precious off days. If you're if you're a baseball player, would you rather have your off day the day after the day after two days after opening day, or would you rather have it in the middle and and well, would you rather have it 
in uh, in late June or in early mid-August when you need it, when you need a day or so to recharge your batteries, get yourself ready because you're in a th- because you're in the thick of the of, of the season. And you got to find a way to dig deep and finish strong. If you're a student out there, K through 12, primarily middle school through 12th grade, would you rather have would you rather have your off days? You know when you're trying to get back into the swing of things at, at the in the beginning of the school year. Would you rather save your off day? Rather save your ex- your four day weekend, your Monday. Day off for you know for uh, you know in uh, in late January February March when 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 the school year gets tedious and you got to find a way to dig deep to make sure that you get that you have your GPA right where you want it come the year come the year's end make sure that you finish off strong that you that you don't fall flat on your face in the back end of the school year because because the tedious and the wear and tear mentally and physically of getting up every day five days a week on a day and day basis for months at a time. It starts to wear on you, so you need that off day. You need that off day in the middle of February to kind of allow yourself to catch your breath and kind of chillax and kind of you know keep yourself keep yourself fresh and keep yourself into it. It makes no sense it, to me. It, it it there it does not make sense why kids got to be in school pre Labor Day. It's hot as hell. Not that it is any different in early September, but still hot as hell. A quarter, a good, especially depending on what, where you know your local uh, uh, school legis, uh, you know school legislative stuff. I know here in Baltimore when it gets up, when it's over ninety degrees by a certain point in time of the day, and you're in a school that has little to no air conditioning, they let your ass out early at twelve noon. So what you, you go to school basically to read a syllabus and and to get the name of your new teacher right? Really? Really? Well, you can't just you know uh, uh, grin and bear it, bite the bullet, and just give them an extra week of summer vacation, and we'll see it a Tuesday after Labor Day. And if and if there's a couple of ninety degree hot days in early September, you'll live. I mean, there's there's only uh, according to the uh, according to the to the to the solstice and the fall calendar and the access and the space and everything else. There's only about what three weeks about three weeks left of summer anyway. And you're on the back end of the summer, so you're going to get more fall weather than you, than you will summer weather in early September. Uh, uh, 85, 90, 90 degree day here and there, notwithstanding. Why not just not have them in school in August and we'll just see you so you don't have to waste an off day, a part of the school calendar. You don't have to have that abrupt stop when everybody's trying to get into the thick of things with a new school year. We'll just see in September. It really, really, really makes no sense starting school before Labor Day. It, 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 it never has made sense, never will make sense. I don't see the benefit that it has been told and drawn out to me. And me, from my personal experience, I do not see the benefit of starting a school in August. I do not. Families got to sit up here and, and rush their summers once August comes, you know, getting nervous, making sure, okay, well, we, if we want to take a vacation, want to take a day trip, want to take a road trip, a weekend trip, we best do it now because once it gets to a certain time, you know, we got to start preparing our social school. I mean, really, that, 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 A, that's not fair to the parents, and, and B, especially it's not fair to the students. 
wants to see. Or you know, you want. It's to this day. I probably be a, a grown man in my thirties, decades. After finishing school, and, I, and every single time August first would come up on the calendar, I still would get. I still would get. Would probably get. Would get the ugh, flashbacks. Ugh, August school around the corner. Ugh. I, I I would still probably get that feeling. At I guarantee you, in my thirties and forties, and possibly for the rest of my life, every single time I see August pop up on the calendar, I'm gonna have a bias against it because I hear August, I hear going back to school. When I know good, when I know, especially knowing that I know good for a while, that my parents and and the older family members that came before me didn't have that feeling. They the, the way that their school that the way that they the, you know that with their government and a way that their local school boards were run with some damn sense they didn't go back until after labor day yet somehow in between when they were in school and the time i was born and i started going to school somehow there was a period of time in between where some genius said you know what i have the idea that'll help put up put us america put our students over the top compared to all the other students around the world let's have them go to school in in mid late august rather than having them go to school in early september there's no real benefit to it, but I, what the hell, let's just try something different. I mean, really? And in some schools, they don't even have the decency to, 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 to get them off for the summer as early as possible. They have them in school until literally the, the, the Friday before Father's Day. And then they turn around and see you. Have a great summer. We'll see you, we'll see you in a month and a half, two months roughly. And and we'll and you'll be right back here in in late August. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. Forty six minute rant, but I had to draw that out for you. Take a break. We'll wrap up the program with some baseball. This is the Amatelic Tears podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelic Tears podcast. Switching gears now to baseball as we bring this program to a close. We will begin with the American League wild card race. Uh, that is heating up as the calendar flips to, uh, as the calendar flips to September. Uh, I will begin with my with just going on how things stand stands right now here in the wild card standings. Tampa currently holds the uh, currently holds the fourth seed in the first wild card at seventy one and fifty seven. They are a game up over the Seattle Manners, who currently hold the uh, fifth seed and second wild card spot at seventy-one and fifty-eight. Tampa Bay's one up in the loss column over Seattle, who's a half game back of the number one spot. Uh, Seattle's won back-to-back games, took care of business against Detroit on Tuesday night, winning by a final score nine-three. Tampa Bay's got a layup schedule, uh, layup series as the Seattle, with both teams taking on the garbage that is the Mariners and the. Uh, Detroit Tigers, uh, the Tampa Bay took care of business against Miami seven to two on Tuesday night. They've won eight out of their last. Uh, they've won eight out of their last ten games. Toronto was three games up over the Orioles and the Minnesota Twins for the sixth seed and third and final wild card spot in the American League. They've won six out of the last ten. They've won back to back games. Uh, take care of business against the Chicago Cubs five to three. On Tuesday night, while the Orioles are, you know, everyone else is hot. The Minnesota's chasing them. They've won five in a row at 67 and 61, uh, beating Boston last night 10 5. The and Tampa, Seattle, and Toronto have all won back to back games. Seattle and Toronto have won six out of 10, and Tampa's won eight out of their last 10, uh, eight out of their last 10 games. And the Orioles, albeit 
playing good ball, winning, uh, and taking the uh, season, as I discussed on Friday, taking the uh, season series and taking a series against the two out of three against the Chicago White Sox last week and and doing a hell of a job taking the first, uh, taking two of three, winning Friday, winning the Friday and Saturday games against the big bad Houston Astros on the road. Their two losses uh, have been very ill-timed. Ill-time loss when they had a chance to make up ground game and a half back uh, heading into Sunday's action. They lost an opportunity there to be had because it couldn't hit their way out of a paper bag. Missed opportunities with runners on base in the first inning off of Justin Verlander who had to exit the game early. He will go on the I.L. with a calf injury. And too little too late for the offense to wake up in the ninth inning with trying to strike up a late ninth inning rally to try to sweep Houston. Uh, down in Houston uh, on uh, Sunday a few days ago, lost that game. Off day Monday, head in, head into Cleveland, and it's the same story that it was uh, that it was on Sunday. Uh, starting pitching better on Sunday than it was la- than it was on uh, last night on Tuesday night, but still, when you when you when your bats can't get going, you're not going to win many games. And the, although the Orioles starting rotation did a phenomenal job over the last week from uh, you know from uh, from uh, you know their series against, from their series against uh, Boston, uh, not this past weekend but the weekend before, but the weekend before last. Up until uh, up until Sunday in Houston, the starting rotation put together quite a few phenomenal performances uh, over the last week or so. And with that rotation, you kind of have to strike while the iron is hot, which they did. So, of course, Sunday's loss not being the case, but you know you got to be able to you got to be able to strike while the iron is hot. And the Orioles did for the majority of it, but eventually that clock's going to strike midnight with you with your young and inexperienced and. and Average at best, to put it very nicely and lightly, you gotta. You, it's only going to be so many times before they eventually give they where they eventually have a bad outing where they give up three, four, five runs in a bushel, and in has and in order for this team to go places, in order for them to make the playoffs, is that their offense is going to have to pick up the slack and kind of uh, pick up the slack and carry the load. Uh, from the inferior starting rotation that they have, you know, if starting rota- if whoever that night starter is comes out and gives up, gets knocked around and gives up two, three, four runs, the Orioles' offenses are counted on them for them to put up three, four, five, six runs, and hope that and and make an effort where they either tie the game or take the lead, and they hand it off in your bullpen, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, and uh, and shut it down in the back end of the bullpen. You know, and win a lot of games by the final score of four three five four six four seven four seven five, and uh, with an occasional uh, decent start from your starting rotation every fifth day, once a week, once once or twice every other week, and so on, and uh, so on and so forth. But they're six seven and sixty one, three games away from winning seventy games on a year, six games above five hundred, five twenty three winning percentage, three games. Three games back, of course, of the sixth seed and the third and final wild card spot in the American League, they are four games back of uh, they are four. I yeah, they're four games back of the Tampa Bay Rays for the fit for the uh, for the fourth seed in the in the first wild card spot. Uh, and if they and if they are able to and if by you know not by some miracles they still have a chance still got a whole month left of the season but if that but if they were to catch up with Tampa they would line they would line up against the big against uh, the Cleveland Guardians uh, for the uh, for a best of three wild card series remember 
the the worst division, the worst uh, record wise, you know, out of three divisions, the team that finished with the third worst record, the teams that win the division, which which by country mile looks like it will it will be. Uh, the Guardians, which is their division, the, which which who has a who has a lead up on Minnesota by about a game and a half, two games in the American League Central. So whoever wins the Central will get will will have to play that wild card round and will play the best team out of the three. It will play the highest seeded best wild card team out of the three of them, which it sees where to end today. Spoiler alert: It doesn't. Would be the Tampa Bay Rays at seventy one and fifty seven. Would go into Cleveland. Cleveland would host all three games in the wild card series, while Toronto would fly, would fly uh, south of the border, westward to Seattle for a best of three wild card series that would be played all three games in Seattle. And teams like the my Orioles and the Minnesota Twins would be on the outside uh, looking in. What I personally want, I, I want them to get in any way they can. But me personally, I would I think it would be best the best chance for the, the best chance for the Orioles to win and to advance to, to win a playoff series and to advance the ALDS would be getting the fifth seed. Them having to go up against Cleveland, who somehow some way is still good, still competitive, and, and still got a damn good starting, still got a damn good uh, pitching staff. Them getting the top wild card spot if Cleveland wins the division does them no favors. Uh, for them at least trying to win a playoff series. And they aren't that good enough on the road for me to be fairly confident if they were to get the sixth seed and third wild card spot. The best case scenario for them to make it into a second round where they would have all three games at Baltimore where they are a where they are a a very they're better than Cleveland is. And if they were and if they were to play in the American League Central, at least heading into Tuesday's action, they'd be in first place at thirty-seven and twenty-four. Think about that. Look, look at ladies and gentlemen, look at it this way: the New York the New York Yankees are an American League best forty-five and twenty at home. The Orioles are only four, only about four or five games worse at thirty-seven and twenty-four at home. Yankees. Astros are number one, but the Astro the Astros have the best record in the American League, but the Yankees have the best home record in the American League uh, at forty at forty five and at least as of right now at forty five and twenty. The Orioles is at thirty seven and twenty four. So they are only a few games worse off than the likes of the Astros and the Yankees playing at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I mean, they they are a they are a tough nut to crack playing the Orioles when when they're at the friendly confines of three of three hundred and thirty third Camden Street of th- of triple three Camden West Camden Street down there uh, down there in downtown Baltimore. Uh, so their best bet, and if I'm an Orioles fan and if I am an Orioles player within the locker room, my motivation would be to make sure that we get a home playoff series, uh, that we get a playoff series in our building. As the as the as the fifth seed and that's the second wild card spot, you are only four games back of Seattle, three and a half games back of Seattle from doing so. Three and a half games back. Now, if you gotta play Seattle, if you gotta play Toronto, you gotta play Tampa, you gotta play Minnesota, whoever it is, your goal is to make sure that you got three games in your building. Uh, 
with with the what with the with the wildcard series logo painted on up on outs you know on both base outside of both baselines with forty six thousand fans screaming screaming their head off watching Orioles playoff baseball. That's what you want. If 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 your goal is to win playoff series, is if it's just to make it, all you gotta do is find find a way to get yourself into the sixth seed. If your goal is to advance, you'd have a better chance in doing so. Now granted, you know, they took the and if it was a playoff series, if it was a wild card series against Houston and they took the first two games, season would be series would be over and they won those two games on the road. But the Orioles are are seven games under five hundred, uh, are seven games under five hundred, away from Oriole Park and Camden Yards. They are thirteen games above five hundred at Camden Yards. So, record wise, and just by the eye test, they're a better team at home than they are on the road. And you would, and if you're an Oriole, if you're me, you a diehard Oriole fan, you'd rather take your chances. Hosting a playoff series, having the crowd in your favor, sleeping in your own beds, being having a team that's got the last at bat in the ninth inning, then playing with that pressure, being the road team, inexperienced as a uh, as a as the first wild card seed or the last one, as the fourth seed or the sixth seed. The benefit, the the incentive is being the fifth. Is the fifth. The team that gets the fifth has got a good shot to make it to make it out of the first round. And if you're the, and if you and if it's me, the Oil fan here, I want them to get the fifth seed. Fifth seed, second wild card. You got a playoff game in your building. You got a playoff game in your building. Now the way it should be done, I'm quibbling here. The way that it should that baseball should have done it is they should have done what the NFL has done. Uh, did up until the 2020 season, and that's give. Well, actually, well, check that because they did do what. Well, wow, well, well yeah, I stand corrected. Now, that is what the NFL did because the NFL did do the first the first two seeds. They gave them a buy. The only problem is that the NFL had four divisions to make up for it. To where there was no benefit, was to where to where a wild card team didn't host a playoff game. The problem is with baseball is that the is that two out of the three division leaders get a bye, only one division winner hosts a hosts a wild card game, and the way that it's set up is that you is that the the middle wild card team that doesn't get the last spot doesn't get the first spot. Gets the benefit of having a of hosting a playoff se- of hosting a playoff series in their own stadium. But anyway, Orioles still have a chance. Uh, they got a tough stretch against Cle- a tough stretch against Cleveland. Uh, it had a tough stretch just in general uh, with the th- with the series against the White Sox last week. Astros on the road, Guardians on the road, and then they come home. They get, uh, no again, like I said last week. If they don't, if they don't, at the worst, take two out of three from from uh, from uh, from the A's, they practically should just flat out just sweep them. And if they don't, they don't deserve to go to the playoffs. 
You can, it's it, it, it is a it is a what, you, what we say in the NFL all the time is a trap game. This could be a trap, especially if the Orioles end up pulling it out of their asses on Wednesday and Thursday. This could be a trap series against Oakland. They cannot fall into that trap. Every game against Oakland needs to be uh, Friday needs to need, Friday needs to be ten one. Saturday needs to be five nothing, and Sunday needs to needs to be seven to two. Don't they need to be non-competitive baseball games? The game needs to be over by the sixth, seventh inning. Orioles go out there, kick ass, take names against against the A's, and then gear yourself up for Toronto one more time. Beat up on the Red Sox at home one more time. Beat up on the Nationals who stink. Go fly north of the border to Toronto. Another another break with the Tigers, and then it's back to the grindstone again with the Astro. With the well, well. The Orioles have a have a dip have a hard schedule, but it's but they but it doesn't look as bad on paper because they because they get breaks. They play, you know, they they had they went through the ringer, so to speak, with the White Sox, Astros, and Guardians. Then they get a break with the, with the A's. Then it's the gauntlet for five games with the Blue Jays. Then they get a break with the with the Red Sox, who they've killed all season long. Then, then rarely get they get a, they get another break going on the road to play the Nationals, and then it's. North of the border to Toronto, where they got to grind those out, and then they get a break playing three against the Tigers, and then here come the Astros for four again. Then go up to Fenway and play play the Red Sox one more time for four, which which is a break, and then ramp it up again and play the Big Bad Yankees one more time in early October. And so then so here so here how it is. It's it's gauntlet break gauntlet break long break. So so restart. So going back to the Astros series, it's gauntlet up until Friday, break with the uh, with the A's, gauntlet with the Blue Jays, break Red Sox to the Nationals, gauntlet for three with the Blue Jays, break with the Tigers, gauntlet again with the Astros, break again with the Red Sox, and then it's gauntlet the rest of the season from September 30th to October 5th. Road against the Yankees and then back home again to, to play the Blue Jays. Orioles got to win the series against the Gauntlet and sweep the garbage. I said it a last few episodes ago. I say it again: sweep the garbage and take the series what you can against the Gauntlets. You know, uh, you get four games against the Astros. I would take. A split. You would love three, and a sweep would be something sent from God Himself. But Astros, because because you Astros, because they are who they are, and they're not competing with a with a playoff spot against the Astros, and vice versa. You take a sweep. Got to play well against because the games matter in late September. But uh, but a split, two two, a series against the Blue Jays, against the Yankees. You you need you need two out of three. No excuses. Especially the Blue Jays. Especially you need you, you the more the more wins you get, you have against the Blue Jays, the better. And then the garbage you just sweep. But after this series against Cleveland, the Orioles only have uh, the only time the Orioles go up against a head-to-head opponent that's fighting for a wild card spot with them is with Toronto. The Astros and the Yankees are playoff teams, but they're not competing playoff spots against them. Red Sox aren't making the playoffs. Nationals are in the, their season is in the, is in the dumpster, 
and at, and the A's and the A's are what the A's are. So it's important that the that the that they get these two games Wednesday and Thursday against Cleveland, and they take care of business against the Blue Jays, and beat the garbage of the Red Sox, Nationals, and A's, and be prepared to win some needed games against against the Yankees and against Houston in late September, early October. And if you're the Guardians, you know they got after the Orioles this series. I know they come in force. I know. I think. I believe Seattle comes to town right after we leave, which they do. So they actually got a little bit. Of, they got some business to take care of as well with the Orioles and the Manners back to back at home, and then they get the Royals for a laugher, the Twins, the Angels for a laugher. One makeup game against the White Sox, the Twins again, the White Sox again, and then it's Rangers, Rays. So really, they their schedule is about. A little easier, about a little easier than the Orioles are. Really, not even that much. It's the hardest opponent they have left on the schedule is uh, is Seattle, is, uh, is is Seattle and Tampa. I mean, they, I mean, they got three play, including the Orioles. They got four playoff teams left on the schedule, but it's but it's Seattle, it's Seattle, the Twins, and Tampa. And then it's garbage against the Rangers and the the Rangers, Royals, and Angels. Rangers, Royals, and Angels, divisional play in the Orioles. This is who they have left. Well, excuse me. Rangers, Roy, Rangers Royals, the the playoff teams with the, with the playoff contenders with the Mariners, Twins, and Orioles. The garbage of the division, which is the White Sox and the Royals, the Rangers, and... Uh, yeah, and they round out this season with a one, two, three, four, five game series against the Royals at home, preceded by a series against Tampa. So it shall be interesting. Speaking of interesting, got an interesting series going on in Queens about a hop, skip, and a jump away from the U.S. Open. And Serena, I wanted to break down Serena tonight, but the thing is with uh, with that is that. She gets a day off in between each match, so I don't. So I didn't want to come on here and sing her praises, and 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 and, and go Gaga over a performance on Monday, and then have her lay an egg in the U.S. Open on Wednesday night, and then look like a and then have essentially that segment of the show be outdated. So what I, the way I decided, me personally decided to conduct the whole Serena at the U.S. Open, is that I will wait until either she advances to the final. Or gets knocked out, whichever one comes first, and then I will give uh, Serena her due, uh, her due uh, airtime, so to speak, on this show. But I am fully aware. I watched the match on Monday night, and I'm fully aware she plays Wednesday night uh, about a hop, skip, and a jump at the same time as as uh, as the uh, as the Grom is going up against the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, who became the first team. In all of baseball this season to win 90 games at a remarkable 90 and 38 and August ain't even over yet. And they have a chance to get the 91 before the calendar switches to September uh, to September 1st. Mets couldn't hit last night. Uh, that's the one problem you have with the Mets is that uh, is that their bats, they're not as reliable on the, you know, they're not necessarily a feast or famine baseball team. But there are nights where their bats go completely quiet. And they cannot bail out, you know, the uh, the mediocrity of of the part of their bullpen, you know, leading leading into Edwin Diaz. They could not hit last night. 
where they're not, well, not that they couldn't, well, they could hit. They have episodes where they couldn't hit, not necessarily pretending last night, but um, but they're pitching, they're pitching a lot left to be desired. Uh, had a three run top of the third inning, one run in the one run in the seventh, um, uh, in losing uh, the opener four to three against the Dodgers, uh, against the Dodgers on a, on Tuesday night. They got um. And this, and they had a five, not a hell of a, not a great outing from Taiwan Walker, five and a third, five hits, three runs, uh, walked three batters, which isn't good. As did the, uh, as did the uh, Mets bullpen, uh, with uh, Michael Givens walked the batter, Hunter pitched two innings of work, walked the batter, uh, Rodriguez who got handed the loss, two hits, gave up a run, walked the batter as well. Uh, so the uh, so the Mets bullpen outside of Diaz, you know, could give the Mets some problems, and they also had the most where they couldn't hit. They couldn't hit up in Yankee Stadium uh, when they played them up in the Bronx uh, last week. But that's going to be a hell. That's a good series. Game decided by one run last night. Uh, should be in for a treat. Uh, hopefully Degrom doesn't go 60, 75, 70 pitches, and then says good, and then Buck pulls him out and says good night. Uh, hopefully we get a if you know if he's pitching well and if he's cruising and if he's getting a ton of swing and misses from the from the uh, from the Dodgers op- opposing lineup. Hopefully uh, Showalter will leave him in and we'll see some great theater across the street from where Serena will be playing her second round tennis match at the U.S. Open. Hell of a sports night just with new. You got the the Dodgers the Dodgers and Mets two best teams not counting the Braves in the National League. Uh, two first place teams that are, that are that are on a collision course to possibly meet each other in the NLCS in a few months time, with the with the, with the when healthy bet one one of if not the best pitcher in the game Jacob Degrom, and then across the way a hop skip and jump you got the U.S. Open with the with with uh, with Serena, and if you're an Orioles fan like me, you also got Gunnar Henderson who the Orioles finally decided to get off their ass and call him up and, and call him up get him a part of the team with the roster expansion happening uh and and so they can strike a little life into this uh into this uh, oil offense which even with taking two out of three with uh with Houston has been uh, has been an off and on dumpster fire and even dating back to the uh to the White Sox series has been on and off very uh very inconsistent and has uh, left a lot of runs and a, and left a lot of losses and and and, and not how can you leave a loss on the table? A lot of wins on the table for their lack of offensive production. Ryan Mountcastle's been struggling. Hit seventh in the lineup last night. Uh, tonight he's hitting sixth uh, behind uh, Ramon Urias, who's hitting clean up in the DH spot, and Gunnar Henderson's hitting sixth in the lineup uh, at third base for the Orioles. Uh, Jordan Lyles on the mound, so we keep an eye out on that uh, as well. There's two home run races that I'm also into. That I'm also into, uh, that I that I that in my honest opinion is uh, is is good for the sport of baseball because of how refreshing it is, and knowing that if these two great players do it in Judge and of course the future Hall of Famer Al, Albert Pujols, that it will feel clean and it'll feel pure because these guys are not because these aren't because uh, because of the fact that these that they aren't uh, sta- that they that these two uh, participants aren't ster- aren't steroid users. Uh, it's Albert Pujols' race to 700. It's Albert Pujols' race to 700, and it's Aaron Judge's race to 61. 
Uh, we all know, at least I know, and those that that take that take into account the 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 true uh, just uh, inauthenticity of Barry Bonds with the steroids. We all know that his seventy that his seventy three home runs is not the real, true, authentic MLB home run record. Uh, we we all know that it, at least those that 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 look that look that look at it without you know the, with the steroid era guys and and see a spade a spade and it's fair about it. We all know that Roger Maris. Uh, uh, we all know that Roger Maris is still the the single season home run champion with sixty with uh, with sixty set with sixty seven home runs. Uh, and even if you, and even if you don't uh, and even if you don't see. Uh, Roger Maris, as the if you if you still you know want to argue and quibble about Barry Bonds with that, uh, be my guest. But I I would still disagree with you. But even if you are in that avenue, we still say hell. You know, steroids are steroids. What the hell's the big deal? Even if you do, even if you still want to sit on that rock and on that uh, and still want to sit on that hill, that uh, Bonds is still the home run single season home run champion for baseball. Roger Maris is still the all-time uh, New York Yankees single-season home run leader with the 61 he had in 1961, who Aaron Judge is trying to catch, who was seventh on the list. Well, excuse me, not seventh, looking at 2017. He's ninth on the list currently with one more home run to tie himself from 2017 and to tie Mickey Mantle, who did it, who hit 52 in 1956. He is three away from tying Ruth a Rod and Mantle, who are fourth with 54, and he is uh, and he is nine away from tying Ruth, who is second in 1927 with 60, and he is and he is 10 away from tying Maris and and 11 away from breaking Maris's record, who had the six one of course 1961. Who whether you recognize Bonds or not, he still is the single season home run leader. For the New York Yankees in the history of the franchise, with 61, uh, the the all-time single-season home run leader for the Yankees, who had 61 in 1961. So if he gets that, uh, if he gets that, it'll be good. It'll be refreshing. It'll it'll knock the cheat A Rod down the list, which I like. He's already surpassed him when he hit the 48 in 2005, and he'll soon pass him. Uh, when he hit 54 in 2007, so he'll knock A Rod to cheat the fraud down off the list, which I like. And uh, and if he gets it, you know you'll hear a lot of people look at Aaron Judge say, "Hey, this is the guy." And also, he he and his agency will have that fastball to throw at to throw at the the uh, the teams that are going to be hollering at him in free agency. Hey, look at me! Forget the fraud, Barry Bonds. I did this clean. I did this legitimately, steroid free. I am the MLB single season home run record holder. Not in not in single MLB and with the Yankees breaking Maris's record of sixty one, which if he does it will be ultimately I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Judge to get it. I, you guys listen to this program. I'm not the biggest Aaron Judge fan there is. I do respect his greatness. I do respect how great of a talent he is. But I am rooting for him to get this to tie and break Roger Maris's home run record. To not just claim it for the Yankees, for the Yankee franchise, but also to have a fresh face out there and kind of push the fraud and cheat bonds out of the way and have the newest guy uh, with uh, with because you know, the NFL because one thing that baseball's been missing uh, that the NBA and the NFL has had 
They are missing the current 21st century superstar breaking the old records of from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and so on and so forth. NFL, we have with the passing, with with the passing yards, with Bre- with with Manning and with Breeze with the passing yards, with with uh, with Brady, Manning, and Breeze with the alt with the all time uh, career passing touchdowns. Uh, with the single season touchdown mark with Mahomes and the yards mark with Mahomes, you know uh, uh, Steph Curry is now the is now the new three point uh, three point uh, king in the NBA. LeBron James soon, very very shortly, will eclipse Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the league's all-time leading scorer. So the NBA and the NFL have that, where they have their current superstar eclipsing these old records. Uh, you know that are that are that are 25 30 40 50 60 years old uh, from from the from the old, from the old player from back in the day those two sports have that uh the, the you know the major league baseball does not and having Aaron judge get to merits with the 61 will do baseball a will do baseball a a huge service at least i think now will the now will the uh, will it resonate nationally the way it will within the baseball community and within the city of New York? Probably not. But I think, from my perspective as a baseball fan, it will do the sport tremendous favors if Aaron Judge ends up breaking Roger Maris's single season uh, home run record. And also, I think it'll, it'll also be a feel good story and it'll be pure and refreshing to see our Brewers get to seven hundred get to uh, get to seven hundred home runs. You know, uh, uh, you had you had uh, Barry Bonds, juicer. You know, I th- Ari Rod I think had six ninety eight, fell just short of seven hundred. So even if even if he doesn't get seven hundred and he passes A Rod A Rod on that list, that will be refreshing and seeing and seeing a guy that did it cleanly, that did it purely, no steroids. You know, that who's in a conversation with with uh, with Hank Aaron and uh, and Babe Ruth. Hitting over seven hundred home runs, who did it clearly, did, did it legitimately. I'm all for it. Al Brujols, forty-two years of age, swan song his final season with the St. Louis Cardinals. If you're the Cardinals, who who and it's their division to lose in National League Central, by the way, as the Brewers have uh, have have kind of uh, hit a little bit of a schneid. Over the last few months since trading Josh Hader, who's been an absolute disaster, disaster with the San Diego Padres this season. They now currently hold a six-game lead over Milwaukee, which might as well, which and they've won six at last time, which might as well be 16 games at this point in the season. So if you're there, win a division, put them out there on the field as many times as you possibly can to help you win games. He's been on a home run tear over the last few weeks. Albert Pujols, who I believe, let me look it up. I believe he is currently at 694. He's had a couple of games where he's hit two home runs for the price of one in the same game. Um, let me just double check. Yep, 694. He's hit 694. He only needs six more to hit 700, and 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 we're not even and we're not even in September yet. There's no reason for me to think that Albert Pujols can't get the seven home runs. And and remember, this is not that the season ends September 28th or September 30th. The regular season ends October 5th. So he's got a full month in the in about a half a week into October from the hit 700 home runs. 
and looking at the Cardinals' schedule with a six-game lead in their division, and they got games against the Cincinnati Reds tonight on Wednesday, home against the Cup. My listen to this garbage schedule. On the road against the Reds, and then home against the Cubs, the Nationals. On the road against the Pirates, two games against the Brewers, and then home against the Reds up until the 20th of September where they go west to play the Padres and the Dodgers. I mean, our pool host could have, could have, they're going to get some garbage, garbage baseball teams. I don't, you hear a lot of the conversation, at least I have. On MLB Network and on, you know, the conversation, who's going to, who's going to, you know, what's more likely to happen? Judge hits 62 and breaks the Maris's record and, or, or, or Albert Pujols hits 700. I say both. I say both. Call it a hot take, whatever you will. I say both is going to happen and I say both accomplish that feat. Before the month of September is over. Judge will have 62 by the end of September. And Albert Pujols will have 71. And I think he'll do it before Judge will. Because he's only 6 away. And Judge uh, needs needs 10. Needs 10, 10, 10 to tie. 11 to break. And Pujols doesn't have to worry about breaking anybody's record. He just has to. It's like hitting 3,000 hits. He just needs uh, six more just to join that club, just to put that little accolade next to his name. So a little bit less pressure because it's less home runs to hit, and he doesn't have to worry about breaking anybody's record. I think I th- I th- they both would do it for the month of September is out, and Pujols will certainly, with six more to go compared to Judges 10 and 11, will do it first. But uh, good, good for the sport of baseball that, to have two to essentially have two uh, home run races going on at the same time by by two clean, legitimate, steroid free guys. But uh, both, by the way, playing for two franchises that are the cornerstones of the sport with the St. Louis Cardinals and New York Yankees. It's great for the sport. Not to mention this wild card race with with the Mar- with teams like the Mariners, the Blue Jays. Uh, and the or the the Rays and the Orioles, and then of course with the Central, with the race going on there between the Twins and the Guardians. Good for this. And oh, by the way, here's there's Dodgers Mets, in in Queens right next to the U.S. Open with Degrom games on TBS, and uh, MLB Network tonight Wednesday night with Bob Costas behind the microphone. Not a bad way to do it in late August, early September if you're Major League Baseball. If I do say so myself. Good show. Long show. But I had a lot to get off my chest. What else is new? New to the program. Like what you heard. Please do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram. At the at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter. At I'm Telling Square. Tell you is. And the show on Instagram. At I'm Telling Square Podcast. It is your boy Jai Shields. I will talk to you this weekend. You guys stay safe. You guys take care. See ya.